Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about advanced care planning, what is it and why do you care, is M. Jane Markley. M. Jane Markley, RN, president of M. Jane Markley Consulting, LLC, is a consultant and healthcare ethics advisor with 35 plus years experience in healthcare. She works with individuals, families, organizations, ethics committees, and healthcare systems to help them understand the importance of advanced care planning for themselves, their loved ones, and their members. A retired Navy nurse, she is board certified in healthcare management, a patient advocate, and a former hospital ethics committee chair. Jane trains healthcare advocates, speaks nationally and internationally, works one-on-one -on -one with individuals and their families to complete their advanced directives, facilitates ethics training for medical students as an assistant professor at the Uniform Services University of the Health Sciences in Bethesda, Maryland. She also serves on the Maryland State Advisory Council of Quality Care at the End of Life. Well, thank you for being here today, Jane. How are you? I'm doing fine, Jason. Thanks for having me. No problem. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Before we get started, just a little bit of housekeeping for those joining us today. If you have any questions, we encourage you to type it into the box and we will do everything in our power to get those questions answered, time permitting, at the at the end of the presentation. So Jane, let's let's jump right into this. Advanced care planning, what is it and why do you care? Jason, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to speak today to the Knowledgeable Aging webinar series. It's a wonderful opportunity to share more information with the public about advanced care planning. Before most people make decisions on doing anything at all, they wanna know what is it I'm doing and why am I doing it? Why do I care? The fact that everyone else is doing something is certainly not the reason that you should be doing it. The fact that this will make a huge difference in your healthcare in the future and will make a difference to the healthcare of your loved ones is probably a compelling reason that you should move forward and complete advanced care planning. The purpose of the program today is purely an introduction. There is no way I can cover all the bases of what you need to do for advanced care planning uh, in a 30-minute in span and still leave time for questions um, from you, the audience. So please bring your questions to the table and let us know what they are. Absolutely. So let's get started. Doing advanced care planning means having the conversation and giving the gift. This is my mantra. It includes first a conversation with yourself. Now, how, how long has it been since you've had one of those? where you sit down and try to figure out what is most important to you. What matters most to you in life? What are your basic beliefs, values, goals, and preferences? Understanding that will get you a long way to getting started in this whole process. Once you've had that conversation with yourself, it's time to start talking with other people. And those other people include your physician or healthcare provider, your loved ones, your faith-based organization, people, whoever, whoever is important in your life and whoever might get the phone call in the middle of the night that you're in the emergency room and need to respond. It's also about identifying your healthcare agent, the person who will speak for you when you no longer can speak for yourself and finding someone who is ready, willing, and able to do that work 
is part of your challenge as you put together your advanced care plan. And once you've done that, it's time to document. Find the right tool for you to complete the documentation so that you have an advanced directive that you can share with the people with whom you've spoken. It should be legally executed, which requires two non-involved witnesses, and shared in numerous ways. All of this is something that you can do on your own. You don't need me, you don't need a lawyer. You can do it on your own, and a lot of people have. Unfortunately, 85% of the population in America knows that they need to do this, and yet only about 30% have ever completed. So that's why people like me are out here trying to give people a hand in how to work through the process of advanced care planning. And, uh, and that's what I do daily, working with um, not only people who need someone just to bug them, uh, i.e. someone who is their accountability agent, but people who need help because they have a, should I say, a dysfunctional American family. Uh, we don't have any of those, of those here, I'm sure, but um, <laughs> those dysfunctional American families make having this conversation a little more challenging. The other thing that you can do, if you can't do it by yourself, if you choose not to utilize services like what I provide, you can also use a lawyer. A lawyer is not required. However, many lawyers do a wonderful job with putting these plans together. Unfortunately, many do not. And it's those people that worries me when you get involved with some lawyers. Um, I have sat at the bedside of a patient who had a beautifully executed high-end law firm complete that advanced directive. And when the rubber met the road and I had to call that healthcare agent because my patient couldn't speak to me, I found a very confused and disgruntled individual who had no idea his name was on the document, had never had a conversation with the man about what his medical preferences were, and was very angry that he had been placed in the difficult position of wanting to help his friend, but being totally unable to. So it's important to have the entire enchilada done and completed. And having someone who's familiar with advanced care planning, more than just doing the document, is very critical. Let's define advanced care planning. The National Institutes of Aging has a good definition, which I'll read for the benefit of the audience. Advanced care planning involves learning about the types of decisions that might need to be made, considering those decisions ahead of time, and then letting others know about your preferences, often by putting them into an advanced directive. And I would caveat that phrase by saying always by putting them into an advanced directive. When people go into a room and talk to somebody and come out an hour later, I can guarantee you that if five people went in, you're going to have five different understandings of what went on in that room. It happens in business all the time. So, and it happens with families all the time. So it's important to get it in writing so it's documented. What, what this will do is to make sure your wishes are known and make sure they're upheld at the time that they're needed to be known. Um, that's very important 
as, as to the purpose of why this is being done. You want to make sure that your wishes are upheld and that, that you have someone advocating for you to make that happen. What's interesting is most people don't realize everyone over the age of 18 needs an advanced directive. Wow. This is not just for old folks like me. This is for <laughs> folks uh, at every point in their lives. Do, they don't have to be sick. They don't have to be old. They just need to be alive. And so I work extensively with people age 18 to 25 right now. They've had a lot of experiences with friends having medical problems early on in their lives, and they're very eager to make sure things that have happened to their friends don't happen to them. So true. You have an advanced directive, not because you have an illness, but because you have family and people who love you. And that's the importance of having an advanced directive. Never assume that your loved ones know what you want. They're going to guess wrong almost every time. Have a talk with them and make it sooner rather than later. You also do this because you never know when a healthcare crisis may occur. Whether that crisis is a motor vehicle accident, and this happens a lot with the younger set, whether it's a heart attack, whether it's a drowning, or whether it's COVID-19. Many people are looking at doing this because of COVID-19. And if that's what it takes to get people to look at this, it, it is important because you never know when something will jump out at you and, uh, and cause you to need medical care. There are a plethora of healthcare problems and issues that people come down with each and every day, with or without COVID-19. You aren't required to identify which specific care you want at any point in time. In other words, you don't have to guess what problem you might have that would cause you to be hospitalized. What you need to do is speak to those things at the beginning. What are your basic beliefs and values? What matters most to you and how you want to live well throughout the rest of your life? So why advanced care planning? Now that you know a little bit more about what it is. Next slide. It provides you with an opportunity to learn and really think through what is most important to you and how you wish to live well the rest of your life. It gives you a chance to answer the questions, what matters most to you, and helps you to learn about and consider your options. It gives you a chance to control your future and receive the care you want, whatever that care may be. You may want nothing, you may want everything or something in between. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is that we know what it is you want and you in particular. It provides your loved ones with a clear understanding of how to move forward when the fan gets hit and the crisis occurs. It gives them the guidance that they need and that is the gift the gift of advanced care planning. Many people haven't had that conversation. And when the, their loved ones end up needing care, they don't know where to turn and they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And they're forever wondering, am I making the right decision? Is this what my mom would have wanted? Making the right decision is really difficult if you've not had that conversation. And the unfortunate part of that is it isn't just a one-time problem. It's something that will linger with those people 
forever. And I literally mean forever because we're finding out in the research that we've been doing over the last 20 years that if someone dies without having an advanced directive and their loved ones were forced to make decisions for them without the benefit of knowing what they wanted, they are forever wondering if they did the right thing. Doesn't matter if they allowed natural death to occur or did a full court medical press in a thousand different ways to keep that person alive. It doesn't matter. What matters is they will never know if they did what their loved one wanted. It makes it clear as to the type of care you desire. And that's really important for your caregivers, for the healthcare workers, the people who are caring for you. There's nothing harder when you're a healthcare worker and you're caring for somebody whom you've never spoken to. You have no idea who that person is behind all the equipment and work that you're doing. You have a name, an age, a little bit of demographics, but you don't know the person. And knowing the person by having an advanced directive to read really makes a difference. Uh, a good example, um, it's, a, it's a simple example, but it, I know it makes people wild. And that is, when you go to sleep at night, do you keep your toes inside the covers or outside the covers? Sounds like an interesting problem. There are some people who, if you put their toes outside the covers, they're gonna go nuts and vice versa. No. If they're inside the cover, they're gonna go nuts. If they can't tell me, and I'm dutifully pushing down and tightening down their bed sheets over their toes, and that's not what they want, and they're cognizant enough to know, and it can be a miserable experience. It's a simple example, but it gets you to start thinking about what matters to you, what makes a difference to you. If that makes a difference to you, then shoot, put it in your advanced directive. Let us know so that we can take the best care of you the way you want as we possibly can. Yeah. Okay, there are some people out there who are gonna tell me they think they have a plan already in place. They've been to their lawyer, they've got the document, they're done. Think again. You may have a document, but the question is, need to look back at what we've just talked about. Have you had the conversation with the right people? Do they know what you want? Have you shared that with them? Have you given them a copy of it so that they can refer to it when the fan gets hit and the crisis occurs? Do you even know where it is? Please don't tell me it's in your lockbox at the bank, okay? It's the last place it should be. People don't get into lockboxes until after someone dies. This is needed while you are alive. So you want it somewhere easily accessible. And the question I'll ask as a final is, when was the last time you really took a good look at it? How long ago was it you did it? If it's been over a year, it's time to relook. You need to relook and make sure that it still reflects your basic beliefs and values. It's got the right people on it. You know, if one of your um, healthcare agents that's listed on the document is deceased, what good are they gonna do for you? You need to add somebody else into the document. Right. And redoing it is not hard. You just need to take a look at it and know you need to redo it. So that's it for you, those of you who think you have a plan in place. For those with no plan, it's not too late. That's the good news until it is. And once it is, it's really too late. 
if you're not thinking about this until someone gets into the ER, it's a bit late to be talking about basic beliefs and values because now we're really worried about keeping that person alive. And that is the most critical thing at that point in time. So get started and get help to do so, so that you can make sure that you have a plan in place that is for your benefit and for the benefit of your loved ones. So you need to get started today. Open up the dialogue with everybody. Do it today. First with yourself, then with your loved ones, whoever they may be, whoever might get that phone call in the middle of the night and need to help you out. Find someone you trust who is ready, willing, and able to be your healthcare agent. And don't burden your loved ones with their not knowing what it is that you want. Don't wait for the crisis occur to occur. Act now. On the following slide, I have a list of references that can help you to move forward with having the conversation and giving the gift. This is just a scratch of the surface. These are basic places you can go on the internet to learn more about advanced care planning. You can also learn more on my website, which is www.mjmarkley.com. In the future, there will be knowledgeable aging programs that I will do that will go into much more detail about the hows and the, the detail of the processes that need to be completed. How do you choose a healthcare agent? What are you looking for? Uh, things like that that will make it more real. Also, probably one of the biggest sticking points for everybody is how to start that conversation with your loved ones. Nobody wants to make that initial move. And um, there are tricks of the trade that will help you to do that. Plan now and start away and make it happen. I'll turn the mic back over to Jason as he's eager because hopefully we have some questions that need to yeah, be answered. Yeah, we do. We do. Thank you, Jane, so much. <laughs> We've got a couple questions here. Um, first question is, when is the ideal time someone should be having this conversation? I know you kind of touched on it, but if is, is there a time when or is it kind of, you know, family by family? It's family by family. Um, it's something that ought to be talked about in families. I mean, okay. if you take a look back, this used to be a topic of discussion in every family around the dinner table. Um, in other words, you know, Uncle Fred died in the upstairs bedroom and is now laid out in the parlor. Uh, they're talking 150 years ago, but that's what it was like. And people all, you know, they saw animals uh, on the farm uh, burst and, and die. And they, you know, this was talking about death was not so difficult as it is now. It's a very, very foreboding discussion that many people feel uncomfortable with. But having that conversation with your children and your family um, uh, should start at any time. Uh, I, I think the sooner the better. It was a discussion that my parents and I had around the dinner table on occasion. Certainly it wasn't every week. Um, but it, you know, when something came up, it was not a forbidden subject. And right now, I'm afraid it is very forbidden in many households. Yeah, a lack of communication, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, the next question is, 
the process. Can you walk us through the typical time frame from when somebody picks up the phone to, you know, to the time when you feel like the first phase or the first documents or series of documents are completed? Each and every person is different. A lot depends on their motivation and their enthusiasm to do this, whether it comes from them or comes from a family member who's pushing them. Um, the documents can be completed in an enthusiastic group within a month. Um, okay. it's, it's not impossible to do that. Uh, again, it's finding the right time to get all the players together to have those conversations, having the opportunity to get an appointment with your physician to have the conversation. Um, so a lot depends on those things, some of which you have no control over. When I work with someone, I work with them for a year. And that gives them plenty of time to, oops, I didn't get to it yet. Uh, and, oh, no, I forgot I was supposed to be doing that. And, oh, I couldn't get to my daughter because she's been out of town. Uh, all of those great excuses for not moving forward with the process. And that's why I'm there, to help remind you that, okay, we're at the next gate. We need to move forward. Once it's done, people need to make copies and distribute those copies to the appropriate players. And, um, and that... Uh, that can take some people, again, the dysfunctional American family, uh, a lot longer. Um, another question, actually just chiming in about where, where is this document stored? Where Ideally, where would this be? Okay. Uh, as I said in the presentation, anybody who you've spoken to or anyone who's your healthcare power of attorney or healthcare agent should have the copy. Um, okay. You Got should it. have a copy. Your physician should have a copy. And um, there are national uh, data banks where they can be stored. Um, My Directives is one of them. Um, and that's one of the references I have on the back. Um, there are others. Uh, there are state storage units that can be put in. The key is to make sure that your key players, particularly your healthcare agent, uh, knows it, understands it, has a copy. So when the need arises, they will be able to be on site and on scene. There are apps that you can put on your phone to store. If, For example, if you have uh, directives for a bunch of people in your family available, um, then when you get the phone call, you know, mom's in the hospital, uh, you ask the person who's calling you to give you an email address or a text and you text it or email it out to the right players so that they have a copy for, of, of it for um, until you can get there. Okay, uh, two more questions just came in. One, what compels a caregiver to abide by the directives in the plan? Well, the caregiver is responsible legally to deal with the healthcare agent. The healthcare agent is legally bound as the person who makes decisions for you when um, you no longer can speak for yourself. And that is a legal um, mandate. Um, and if you're in a hospital and you're getting pushback, um, the, the best thing for people to do, and I've, I've used this myself, I've, and I've encouraged others to, if you can't, if you're, if you, the communication between you and the healthcare team that you are working with has broken down, there is a healthcare ethics committee at each and every hospital in this country, and oh. they are very eager to help 
discuss and work with you in dealing with the healthcare team about differences in opinion and the way that patients should be treated. That's excellent information. Uh, last question. Now, I know the answer because we've spoken off air about this, but I want to do a relook, Jane, about the updating. Now, the five Ds. So I'd like to uh, yeah. finish up with that. That's our little takeaway. I love okay. this one. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to have a a way of remembering what it is you need to do. And uh, uh, reviewing the document, as I mentioned, you know, I say you, you ought to do it every year, but you ought to do it anytime one of these five Ds occurs. First, the decline in your health status. Okay, if you're getting worse and you're not, you know, you've got problems and you've got, oh, you know, you're not doing well. As you get care, time to start thinking about it and talking with your doctor about what it is you really want as you move mm -hmm. forward. So that's the um, decline. Second is diagnosis change. If you've got a new case, for example, all of a sudden you've got uh, kidney failure. Well, that's going to be a real good time to take a look and see if what you're doing is what you want to continue to do. And again, talk to your doctor about it. Divorce. Um, I know a number of people who have their exes on their advance directive, and they intend to do that. But I encourage everybody who gets a divorce to redo their plan only because then it proves that the decisions you're making are current, up to date, and, and, and the legal decision makers for you. Fourth is distance. This one's a toughie because with modern technology and communications, we can communicate all over the world. But if somebody is in the hometown with you, it's certainly much better um, than waiting for a, a Zoom call or a, a Skype mm -hmm. call or even a telephone call from your son in Japan, for example. No reason they can't be a second or third tier, but um, try to have someone who's not too far away. And for heaven's sakes, don't have someone who's in the hospital more often than you are. Those people are not going to be very helpful to you because they probably won't be available. The other, and I've intimated on this a little earlier, is the death of one of your healthcare agents. You want to make sure that if someone has died and you, you have a hole in the, in the package, that you update it and find someone else to do that for you. So those are the five Ds. I love it. I love it. And on a, on a high note, not that there was any low notes, but I'm just <laughs> saying I, I love the five Ds because I just... I, I just, I'm a visual person, so I just like where I can just number them and go boom, 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 right? Anyway, well, thank you, Jane, for your time today. Uh, man, lots of wonderful information, and I really hope that people take action because I know you and I have spoken about it before. Just getting people to actually take the necessary steps to pick up the phone is, is the key. So how can people find you? Well, people can find me on my website. I gave you that earlier. You can also okay. email me at Jane at mjmarkley.com, same as the website. And um, if you uh, want to leave me a text, you can do that at 703-298-1201. And I'll respond and we can see what, what you need and how we can help you move forward with the process. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Jane. Um, I do look forward to... Uh, for the webinars with you. And um, until next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar with Knowledgeable Aging.